are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Job chapter 28, turn with me and we'll begin the message. Job chapter 28, verse 12. But where shall wisdom be found? I'm looking for it. Now look at me just a minute. Every last one of you, look at me. Just a minute. You don't need to see me, but see the words I'm going to say. Did you know that everybody in here can have all the wisdom you can hold if you go after it at the place I'm going to recommend tonight? You'd say, but I don't have much education. Uh, That won't uh, cripple you too bad. I'd rather say I've seen and see something say I have seen and see nothing. I mean, don't worry too much about your degree here. I know one, you need the B.A. degree, and that's born-again degree. And right, you're, you're, you have access to wisdom right there. The Bible said, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access into that grace wherein we stand. We've got access into everything God has when we get saved. wisdom be found, and where's the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. Now, I suppose that's where I'm living. If it's, if it's not found in the land of the living, I've got to go look somewhere else. And I've got to have some help to get there. And I, if it's not found in the land of the living, and I can't get uh, to the land where he's talking about, it, then somebody's got to bring it to me. I've got to have something uh, that's going to channel it down from somewhere else. Now, the depth says, not in me. She said, not in me. Not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold. You can't buy it. Neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. Verse 20. Whence then cometh wisdom? And where is the place of understanding? Seeing it's hid from the eyes of all living and kept close from the fowls of the air. Now, verse 28. Now, this is easy to remember because it's 28 and 28. 28, 28. And on the man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's the one thing that's missing in this country right now, is fear. We'll never have wisdom until we get the fear of God again. People talk about the old man upstairs, you know. That's lack of fear of God. America has lost her respect for God. And she's lost her way to God because she lost Jesus. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Now then, I want to ask you one question. Are you willing? Now that word fear actually, I believe, includes trust and faith and belief and respect. Now, I had to fear for my earthly father. But I had confidence in him at the same time. My fear of my dad didn't mean that I distrusted him. I trusted him implicitly. My daddy, I thought, was about the biggest man and the best man. And he could do more than any man. And uh, that's just the confidence I had in him. But i tell you one thing. I sure had a fear of him. Oh, brother. My dad didn't have to say, Lester, won't you try to be a better boy? Son, you were disturbing in church. I hope you'll seek to do better. 
But he didn't. All he had to do just look over at that old head of his. And... <laughs> Brother, I had a slight stroke. <laughs> and if my dad ever, I, I, I can't hardly remember, but maybe it seemed like one time, or maybe I dreamed about it and had a nightmare, but uh, if my daddy ever picked up that finger and looked at me, and I mean, he, when he pointed me, he hit me every time. And now then, we got a generation of rebels on our hands. Mothers and daddies have no more control over the children, and uh, they just speak up, cry out, tear up. And uh, but he said, uh, to depart from evil is understanding. Now I want to give you something I think I've not shared with you before. The word evil, of course, is the devil with the D knocked off of it. If you didn't have a devil, you wouldn't have any evil. But I got something good I want to share. If you'll turn your evil over to Jesus and let him put it under the blood, he'll turn it around for you and you'll have L-I-V-E. Boy, that's a great swap. Think about swapping the devil for life. Swapping evil for good and for everlasting life. That's exactly what Jesus will do for you. Now, there's nobody in here that's alive that's outside of Christ. You're dead in trespasses and sin. You'd say, well, I wonder why I'm not enjoying myself. I don't think dead people enjoy themselves. Don't have any feeling, have no vision. All right, got a lot of scriptures I want to share with you. I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 51. Chapter 51. I appreciate all these precious, precious Bibles you're bringing every night. Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. We're about. See, wisdom's not for the outside. That's knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. Wisdom edifies. Wisdom is a gift of God. Wisdom is a gift of God. All right. Let's go to another passage of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 23. Verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom... Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. All right? Let's go a little bit further. Let's look, please, at uh, James chapter... One, the book of James. Now, this tells us where we can get it. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you, any of you, lack wisdom, and it looks like there's 2,000 people here tonight, maybe more. Now, if any of you lack wisdom, I'll tell you where to get it. If any of you, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally, and upbraid it not, and it shall be given him. But... Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. Now turn to James chapter 3, verse 15. Let's see what wisdom would be like. I want to see how it acts and what it do to you. This wisdom descendeth not. Now he's talking about uh, wisdom, uh, which is of the world. But he said, if you have bitter envying, verse 14, if you have bitter envying, do you? And strive in your heart, do you? Glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Now, he said that's according to your senses. 
That's according to your five senses. Now, that's not the kind of wisdom I want. I don't want just the kind you can feel, or you can see, or you can taste. I want the kind that goes on the inside. That's real wisdom. Now, let's see what he says about real wisdom. It's verse 17. Verse 17, the third chapter. But the wisdom that is from above. All right. I told you a while ago, since there's no wisdom on the earth, he told us it's, he told us it's from above. Now, if we get wisdom, it's got to come down from above. And we've got to figure out how to get in touch with the wisdom store tonight. We've got to get in touch with God's smokehouse of wisdom tonight. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Now, remember, he said uh, we are to depart. We're to depart from evil. He said the wisdom of God is pure. Are you pure tonight? Are you, are you lusting after somebody else's wife tonight? Is that why you watch television? Are you bogged down in the filth of the flesh tonight? You don't have wisdom. You don't have a lick of wisdom. Listen, I'm going to preach the Lord willing one of these nights on this subject, the wages of sin, death. For every sin that you commit, there's a sickness that will get you. Because he said the wages of sin is death. I believe that's physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially. The wages of sin. Now, if you want to work for the devil, that's your business. But you need to know what your wages are going to be. And you don't hardly hire out to anybody before you ask them, and what will my salary be? I know of no group of workers hardly except enterprises. Nobody ever comes to enterprises asking me what they're going to get. That's a sign not willing to live by faith. I never tell them. I never tell them. If they haven't got enough faith to move in with us, knowing God's going to take care of their needs, they don't belong with enterprises. So if you ever intend to go to work with the enterprise, any of our homes, don't you ask me what your salary is going to be. I say, it's none of your business because you're not going to get hired anyhow. We, in the first place, we don't have any hired hands. They're all servants of the Lord. But i tell you one thing. We haven't got one worker that lacks anything. They have every need supplied in the happiest people you ever saw. Brother, my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ. You know, some of y'all look like you just fixing to ask me if we had a place for you. And you're about to back out, aren't you? Why, dear friend, listen. God never forsakes his own. I'd rather live. My business is to teach Brother Olaf and his family and every member of the enterprise staff to live by faith. If I don't teach them that, I've failed. And if we can't pray down what we need, we better go bankrupt anyhow. We have no right to get anything uh, for anybody unless we can pray it down and trust God for it. And preacher, brother, I tell you, if you're not getting your needs met tonight, I believe you just need to maybe brush out and sleep out and clean out and pray up and pray down, and I believe God will take care of them. I really do. The needs are tremendous uh, every day, but God said, I'll take care of them. It's first pure, then peaceable. That means you get along real nicely. You're not always making war. You're not nursing grudges and having a fight and talking about getting your feelings hurt. You ever heard that? Brother Olaf, I was doing so well. I was singing in the choir, teaching the class, but I tell you, it got hurt. They hurt me deeply. Mm-hmm. You know what you're advertising? Your flesh. If you'd have been dead, you couldn't hurt you. The Bible says you're dead with Christ. That's right. If you're dead, you can't hurt a dead man. I've never been to fuel in my life. They could drop his casket in the middle of the street, run over with a big semi, and it would hurt him. You'd never hear him, you'd never hear him holler, would you? But see, you don't believe that you're supposed to be dead, do you? The Bible says you're dead. 
Your life is hid with Christ in God. Then he said, seek those things which are above. Don't pay attention to what goes on down here. You'd say, well, I tell you, Brother Wolof, somebody threw some awful words at me and somebody rumored on me. Well, I tell you what, I say this and I don't brag about it because it hurts my heart a lot of times. If I believed everything that people have said about me in the last 12 months, I'd commit suicide. I mean, I'd just give up to Mr. Jed Cooper and say, I wish, why, I went over to Georgia the other day, and the folks over there at Milledgeville, they said, why, they told two of my boys, and they turned down two boys I was fixing to get from them. They need to come, wanted to come to be with me. And these uh, leading officers, or misleading officers, they said, why, uh, listen, uh, Brother Olaf is just one head, one step ahead of the sheriff right now. they said there's a warrant for his arrest out and they said about the time they get ready to catch him he leaves now you think about grown men you think as many places as I am and everybody knows where I am just about all the time can you imagine people that lie and believe a bunch of junk like my dear friends things like that don't bother me I just hate to have other people crippled because we don't get an opportunity to help them but I tell you, brother, when you get to the place where you're just well spoken of by the world, uh, you're not too well. And I'm not taking up for myself or anybody else. I'm simply saying that the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, gentle, gentle. I always think about old Jesse when I think about a mule being gentle. He wouldn't kick, and he wouldn't bite, and he wouldn't pitch. He'd ride three deep, didn't make any difference. He'd pull, he'd plow, work on either side of the tongue, he's gentle. God's people ought to be gentle people. That's, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Did you know that? Gentle. All right. Gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy are put on. That's wisdom for you. Do you have it tonight? Well, let's go on. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. You know, let me see. I, I think I found something. Now, today he said there's, there's no wisdom in the book of Proverbs. There's no wisdom against the Lord. There's no wisdom against the Lord. If there's anybody here that's against the Lord, you don't have a lick of wisdom. There's no wisdom when you're against the Lord. Not a bit. You think about a man going against the Lord tonight. Can you imagine that? Why, you'd get in trouble if you started against President Nixon tonight. I'll guarantee you, just let me get up here on the radio and say, I'll tell you what I figure on doing. I believe I'll just go up and kill Mr. Nixon. Listen, they'd have me in jail for bedtime. I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to pray for him. I really am. He's my president, and I mean, I'm just going to pray for him. And uh, trust God to bless him and help him and give him wisdom and so forth. But, dear friends, God says if you're against the Lord, you don't have any wisdom. When we turn the education of our children over to the state, God never did intend that. He never did endorse that. The Bible never did approve that or condone that. And now then, we're beginning to pay the price. The most immoral place on the face of this earth is the college campus today. The seat of dope addiction and suicide is on our college campus today. And as far as I'm concerned, education without regeneration and sanctification is an abomination, and that's what we've got on our hands today. Bunch of rebels trying to run the schools. They dress shabbily, don't know how to shave or clean up or look decent. Girls dragging around in parks on the Lord's day when they ought to be worshiping God. That's our higher education system for you. All right? There's something else. The Bible says when you get ready to ordain the deacon, you're to look out a man that's full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. 
every deacon. Now, you notice how he put that. He didn't say full of the wisdom, full of wisdom and the Holy Ghost. He said full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. You'll never have wisdom until the Holy Ghost lives in you and he'll deliver it. You'll never have the love of God until the Holy Spirit comes into your life to shed abroad the love of God in your heart, which is given unto us. Wisdom! Oh, how precious, and yet how scarce is this business of wisdom. You think about how many people live in Dallas, Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas, and how many people are in this great congested area, and yet how few people have wisdom. Why, the average person, he takes better care of his car than he does his body. He doesn't have any wisdom. The average man has... $40,000 worth of farm equipment and goes home and his wife has about 30 cents worth of aluminum wire that he's eaten out of. That's no wisdom. I mean, there's, there's just a bunch of junk and he says to his wife, we can't afford it. And yet he just spent $3,000 for a new pickup to jostle around on the farm with, haul old cows in. We haven't got any wisdom. We're not taking care of the temple of the Holy Ghost. No, sir. Wisdom. It's a gift of God, and God wants to give you wisdom tonight if you'd be willing to listen to him. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, will you? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is the great chapter that explains to me what wisdom is. Chapter 1, we'll begin reading about verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which to save is the power of God. For it is written, I'll destroy the wisdom, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the wise? He said, where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. I tell you, brothers, you talk about enough today, chapter, this is it. Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? You talk about coming down. Our little Babel's coming down. I mean, America is building another Tower of Babel. I think the space effort is a Tower of Babel. I think the efforts to get to the moon. I wouldn't mind going to the moon if there's lost people up there and we're sending missionaries up there to win them. But I'll tell you one thing. If we ever get to the moon, I said if we ever get to the moon, we run through the farm. I'll guarantee if there's any people up there, the first load that go will be a load of liquor. And if they're not corrupt, they will be before we've been there very long. I, I hate to admit that. We might as well face it, boys. We've just about ruined everything down here. You can't name one thing. Man's never touched anything with his dirty, sinful hand but what he's ruined. He raped the soil and poisoned it. He's polluted the air and poisoned the water. And what do we have? Sick people all over this country. Malignant condition of cancer. Our big cancer institution don't have enough beds for people that are rotting on the inside, and people will not have sense enough to go by the Bible. And one of these nights, I think I'll preach one solid hour on what the Bible says about your B-O-D-Y body. Brother, you think God didn't have enough sense to tell you what, how to live? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And I believe that Jesus Christ and, and Moses, when he went in the mouth, stayed. He said, I stayed in the mouth in Deuteronomy 10.10 and 10, John 10.10. 10, and we're not going by the Bible. And if we had a revival of old-fashioned Bible Christianity, people would get well again and live for God again. I'm against sin. I'm against sickness. And people have disobeyed God and there'll be no health. There'll be no, I got to read them today uh, in the book of Chronicles. Turn to Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. I want to show you something. This is great. 
I, I wrote some letters, and then I put this verse in all of these letters. David said to Solomon, his son, you know who's doing the talking? It's an old man. David's just going down the runway now, and he's just lifting off. But just before he lifted off, I think his son Solomon was trailing along beside him. He said, son, I want to give you some farewell advice. I really got a blessing out of this 29th chapter because David was having a great time. He said, Both riches and honor come of thee, and thy reign is over all in thine hand, power and might in mine hand. In thine hand is to make great and to give strength to all. He said, I haven't given anything except what you gave me. He's bragging on God. I tell you, David wound up his... You remember, he's a man after God's own heart. Now he's telling his son something. Verse Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. Everybody ought to memorize this verse. David said, Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Amen. Some of you preachers, are you scared you're fixing to get run off? Listen, God told you, if you'd be faithful and do it and perform it, he'd see that he'd give you enough grace to finish the work of the service of the house of the Lord. He'd give, I believe that ought to go for us physically, mentally, and spiritually. God said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. All right. He said, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now, here's your verse. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Have you ever heard the term educational evangelism? There ain't no such animal. You better get it. You don't educate people into salvation. You don't send them off to school and get them saved. Brother, they've got to believe on the Lord Jesus. I know you've got to tell them how to be saved, but brother, I do not believe in educational evangelism. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews' stumbling block, under the Greeks' foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks. Christ, there it is. Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. Now we're heading up toward home. We're about crossing home plate now. Look at here. Christ, the power of God. You want the power of God, fellas? Have to have Christ. You want the wisdom of God? Got to have Jesus Christ. Don't talk to me about your degrees, your doctor of divinity, or any other kind of doctor's degree. Brother, if you don't have Jesus Christ, you have no wisdom tonight. Christ, the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see, you call in, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But every preacher needs to read this at least once a week. God chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's what he chose you. You're so foolish. Didn't have a lick of sense. Nobody else wanted you when God found you know that. Preachers get smart and educated and prosper a little bit and then struck like a peacock. Brother, we're in bad shape. I'm scared of pride more than I'm a pot-bellied rattlesnake. My hypocrisy and pride has cursed my life. I have no reason to be that way, but, brother, I'm scared of pride. That's the reason I force myself through the Bible on my knees every year that rolls around. That's the reason I stretch out every day on my face somewhere before God and say, Lord, I'm not fit to be in the ministry. I'm not fit to be to have the... I just think, last night I went home, and I just praised the Lord for a while. It's nearly midnight, and before the day was finally over, and I, I knelt in the living room in there and on my knees, and I said, Lord... It just seems almost like a dream. Just 55 miles from here, little old country boy was born. 
55 years ago and uh, had no ambition and, and no desire. What I'm trying to say is this. I said, I looked into the sea of faces tonight. Oh, precious souls came from all around Central Texas and far as Oklahoma and other places. And I said, Lord, it couldn't be anything but the Lord. It just had to be the Lord. That's all. Brother, we're nothing. We could be nothing. We'll never get anywhere without God's power. He said, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Somebody asked me one time, said, Brother Law, why do you suppose the Lord called you to preach? You suppose it's because you had talent? I didn't have any. Because you're smart? I wasn't smart. You suppose you're educated? Didn't have a lick of education. Went off to Baylor University? Didn't have any money? Would you let me tell you briefly why I believe he called me to preach? I believe he found me and looked at me and he said, I want to talk to you. And I said, yes, sir. Sort of scared of you, but go ahead. I was. I was scared of the Lord. Man, I was scared of a prayer meeting. I was scared of the Bible. I'd read, you know, Zane Gray in the Trail of the Lonesome Pine. I'd ride horses and yearlings and cows, and we'd have rodeos, and I'd shoot marbles and play dominoes. But, oh, me, if the Lord came around, I'd just well, beg to be excused. My brother would say, why didn't you leave in prayer? And I said, I didn't want to. said, why didn't you quote a verse of Scripture? I said, didn't know none. That's about the way I said it, too. The Lord said, Son, poor little old freckle-faced, pencil-headed, ignorant, unlearned, sick boy. Been that way all your life. He said, I believe I'd like to call you to preach. Oh, that scared me. And he said, I better tell you why I'm calling you. I'm calling you because you're about as near nothing as Navarra County has to offer. That's the truth, dear friend. That's just the truth. With my right hand raised to Jesus. He said, I believe, oh, I believe, that if I call you and take what you don't have and put something in you and do something with you, just anything, I believe you ought to have sense enough to give me the glory. And tonight, it's such a joy to just say that Jesus paid it all. It's all to him I owe. And that's wisdom, dear friends. That's wisdom. When you realize if anything good comes of your life, that's God. And that's the wisdom on your part to admit it. He said, I have chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised as God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring the not things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Brother, I've come to tell you what wisdom is, and then I'll tell you what to do and close the message. If tonight, if tonight, you want wisdom, you've got to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Every husband needs to have wisdom to oversee his wife and children. Every wife needs to have wisdom to obey a godly husband. Every child needs to have wisdom to respect his parents that he might live long on this earth. Every child here, you boys and girls, did you know that none of you can live out your days if you disobey your mother and daddy? My Bible tells me that God will kill you or cut your life short if you don't learn to respect your parents. And I'm going to say something else. It's not the children's fault if they don't respect the parents. It's the mother and dad's fault. It's not natural for a child to respect anybody 
uh, but it's, it's supernatural and you're going to have to put the fear of God and the fear of his parents in him. Now then, Romans 11 and verse 33 said, Oh, the depth, oh, the depth, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable is wisdom, our judgment and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who hath given unto him, and it shall be given to him again? He said, For of him, and to him, and through him, for all things to whom be glory. Brother, the wisdom is from the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8 said, We're given by the Spirit the wisdom, the word of wisdom. We're given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. The Holy Spirit will give us the word. You'll never have wisdom until you have the word of wisdom. Colossians 2 and verse 3 said, In him, in him, are hid all the treasures of the wisdom, see, in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're going to get his wisdom, you've got to look inside Christ. And he said, I'll give you the word of knowledge also in that same verse. Now then, let me give you something quickly. And the time's running out so fast. There were ten people. There were ten of them. You remember that? In the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, there were ten people. God said, now, you see these five women over here? Yes. He said, uh, they're wise. You see these over here? Yes. He said, they're foolish. Well, I'm going to stay around a little while and see if I can locate what made them foolish and what made them wise. All of them had lamps. Every one of them had a lamp. They were all looking for the bridegroom to come. The Bible said they went out to meet him. But there's still five of them foolish and five of them wise. Now, I want to know what made the difference. At midnight, in the dark of the night, the cry went out, the bridegroom cut, and all of them woke up. And all of them made ready to meet him. But five of them had lamps that were lighted, and five of them didn't have any burning light. You know the difference? Oil. Come on. You know what the difference is? The Holy Spirit. You'd say, Brother Walk, come again. I mean exactly this. When you get saved by the grace of God, you're to have the indwelling oil jug on the inside, if I could say it like that. The blessed Holy Spirit. And brother, he's the only one that'll keep your life burning. And he takes his wisdom from his word, and he'll keep your life. Why, he said the instance of thy word gives life. Thy word's a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. And the Holy Spirit is the one that puts the word on the inside, and that's where your light comes from. Jesus said, You're the light of the world. City set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither the men light a candle put it under the bushel, but on a candlestick may give light to all that are in the house. And so five were ready, and five were not ready. And the five that were not ready came and said, Loan us some oil. And they said, We can't loan you this experience. This is a personal experience. You'll have to go to the one that gives it. Dear friends, I wonder how many are foolish and how many are wise here tonight. You'd say, what do you mean? How many are ready to meet the bridegroom right now? And down in your heart you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you and you've been saved by the grace of God. You're ready right now. And I'll guarantee you, this is one tent campaign that I'm preaching that I have a right to expect to go through the top of this tent before it's over. I have every scriptural reason to believe that this will be the last tent campaign I'll ever preach. And it may not come to its successful conclusion. Brother, we're standing on the very verge of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there ever was a time when the 
when the foolish virgins better go get some oil, it's now. Today is the day of salvation, and now's the time. But you know, I'd like to share with you uh, one other thing, and I wish I had a long time to preach on this. You know, in Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen, he said, "Study to show thyself approved." Uh, under God, a workman need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word truth. Now, Second Timothy three fifteen says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. That's it. Now then, two verses. No, this, this is absolutely the outcropping. This is the outworking of wisdom. This tells whether you're wise or not. Now, the Bible says, and I saw this on the tombstone of old Sam Jones over in Cartersville, Georgia. Uh, these words, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And then this word, he that winneth souls is wise. Brother, that's the way you display your badge of wisdom, is winning souls. I said to a man to filling station today, I said, Sir, are you a Christian? He said, No, sir, I'm a Catholic. Well, I said, I didn't ask that. Uh, you might be a Catholic and be a Christian if you'd repent of your sin and receive Jesus Christ. But I said, if you haven't repented of your sin, you could be a Catholic and a Baptist and a Methodist combined, you'd still be lost. He that win his souls is wise. Oh, do you know him tonight? Do you have that wisdom tonight? Would you let me share with you one of my favorite uh, soul-winning experiences? And my life has been enriched more by soul-winning than any other thing. The only thing I've got now at the end of 36 years of preaching, all that I have are the souls that have been won. Last night, when Mr. Baxley came, saved under the tent there, I believe, in Waco, Texas, and Tiny Walton, our engineer, saved under the tent in Big Spring, Texas, along with some other friends, 300 nearly, I think, in the meeting out there. But the only thing, preacher, you're going to have when it's over is the souls you won. I don't, you say, oh, but what about those buildings and those church? No, uh, that's not it, dear friend. I won't be taking those buildings home. I won't have a brick in my pocket when I get to heaven. Thank God for that, but I hope to have a whole flock of souls. I mean, that's all we're going to have when this thing's over. We pitched the tent. You remember that? We pitched the tent up here between Farmer's Branch and Carrollton on Highway 77, was it? Many years ago? We pitched the tent in the yard of a man. Had a big scar on his face. Hadn't been church in 40 years. I always made the policy to try to visit my neighbors. I visited them today. I had to borrow something. And, uh, but I always try to give them something. I always, I always try to witness to my neighbors and tell them about Jesus. But anyhow, I, I went over there and the wife came to the door and I sat down, Brother Olaf preached to me. Yes, I said, I'd see you stretch the tent over there. And, and, uh, I said, where's your husband? He said, he's back in the house. I said, I want to talk to him. He said, he won't come out and talk to you. He, he hadn't seen the preacher in 40 years. He didn't want to see you either. I said, I, I'll be back. And so I left and, oh, the Lord put it on my heart. And, and really put a burden. I said, Lord, evidently he's sure hard. He's a tough one. But I said, Lord, I believe you can save him. You're not going to let me preach in, in the side of his bedroom, are you, for two weeks and not win him to Christ? But, oh, I tell you, you talk about tackling somebody. Man, listen. And so, uh, days passed. I went back. I finally caught him coming from the barn to the house. I intercepted his journey. I said, I'm Brother Wolof. Yes, I know who you are. I've been hearing you holler every night. 
I said, I want you to come. No, said, I won't be coming. Said, I don't go. Said, besides, I lay down in the bed. I can hear you anyhow. I was going through the stream. And I said, well, I sure want you to come. I'll be praying for you. I said, say, look at all them bee gums out there. Ah, you know, I eat honey every day. I eat it every day. But he looked at me right straight. He said, well, I'll tell you one thing. If you think that I'm fixing to rob those bee gums and get you some honey, you've got another thought coming. <laughs> very cordial, very nice. But he said, I'll tell you what. He said, if you've got anybody over there who wants to rob them, you can have a little of that honey. So I got up that night, and I knew he was laying there in the bed listening. I said, folks, my neighbor over here told me that he'd let me have some honey if uh, we could get somebody to rob these bees. I know nothing about it, but I do like the honey. And I guarantee you, out under that tent, I don't have any men, but not one man or boy ever raised a chirp. One little bitty lady, weighed about 80 pounds, got up and said, Brother Olaf, I'll do it. I said, honey, you not either. One bead knocked you plumb down. I said... I'm just not going to do it. I said, if we haven't got some man around here to rob some of those bee gums and get the visiting the bank some honey, I'll just do without or go somewhere and get some. The meeting rolled on, and I guarantee nobody got after those bees either. But I kept on going. I went back to see him one day, and I said, say, why don't you come over to the meeting? He said, no, I don't need to come over there. He said, I'm sitting on the steps listening to you every night. Amen. Already got him out of bed. Stepping out on the front porch, listening. Well, the meeting began to roll around, and it's about over. Saturday morning, Saturday morning, Brother Earl was getting ready to take the tent down, you know, after the meeting was over, and he was gathering up some things. I had a big old gallon and a half freezer, electric freezer, and I made some fine homemade ice cream, and, and it was turning and nearly done. I saw a pickup come a-jostling across the ground and uh, knocking up the dust, and here he just came and left the door open and came in with a, a big old... A jar of honey, a gallon. He said, all right. He said, there's your honey. And he said, I guess the Lord is with me because I didn't get stung a time. I said, Lord, I thank you for watching those stingers. That impressed him. That impressed him. I said, sit down there and eat some ice cream. He said, no, I don't want it. I said, yes, you do. Sit down there. And so he sat down and, and I got him out a big bowl of ice cream. He sat down and ate it. I said, now you coming to church tonight? Nope. I said, don't guess well. I said, I'm praying for you and I want you to come. Saturday night, I knocked on his door. And I said to his son-in-law, also unsaved, and where's your father-in-law? And said, uh, he's over there under the tent. Amen. Oh, I tell you, dear friend, that night I walked in the pulpit and preached. He didn't give his heart to Christ. One of his daughters did. Came down out of the choir and gave her heart to Christ that night. He went on home. I went home that night and I said, Lord, we've got one day left. And I promised you, just if you'd win this man to Christ, save him. I'll never be afraid to tackle anybody on the face of this earth. I just need my faith strength. I, I just pray for your honor. And, go. and Sunday morning, I knocked on his door. About nine o'clock, I knocked on his door. I said, where is your daddy? He said, he's in the bed asleep. I said, wake him up and tell him to come here a minute. He came to the door one hour. He said, when do you sleep? I said, I sleep in the dark, not in the light. He said, I couldn't go to sleep till four o'clock this morning. I think the bees is a stinging him. 
I think heaven's bees got in his bed with him. Bumblebees. Yes. Why well, said you coming this morning? He said, no. He said, I'm not coming. But that morning, some more of his family gave their heart to Christ. 6.30 that afternoon, I knocked on his door for my last time. His son-in-law came to the door and I said, where's your father-in-law? He said, he's sitting under the tent. Oh, that night. Preachers, I believe it's all right to preach under pressure like that. Just say, Lord, this night has got to be it. Invitation was given, and I saw this big old husky fellow ambling down the aisle. Had his wife, her arm was in his, coming like this, fixing to get married. And I think they did. Got married to Jesus that night. Knelt down in the old shavings and said, Preacher, I want to give my heart to Jesus tonight. Waited a mighty long time to do this, but he said, if he'll have me, I'll have him. Sat out on the front seat, and uh, I was busy talking to men. First two, the first three that came was the daddy and two sons, and said, you know, Brother Olaf, we got off today, down in the pasture by ourselves, and said, we got talking about the Lord. I said to my boys, I said, boys, you know, daddy's not saved, and they said, we're not either. They said, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus tonight, boys. The boy said, Dad, if you go, we are too. All three of them, the first three that got While I was dealing with some of them, I looked up, and this big old fellow was gone. I saw him just as he went out the back of the tent. Oh, he's gone. I said, well, I guess he got scared. I, you know, I, and he came around the tent and came in right back here. And, brother, he come down the aisle again and had a grown daughter on each arm. He said, Brother Wolf, they'd need exactly what I got. And said, you tell them about it. And, dear friends... He that win his souls is wise. And Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Oh, may God help us and raise up some soul winners. If somehow we can lay the foundation for a great soul winning crusade the last week, I'll be mighty glad. I'd like to see hundreds and hundreds of people saved by the grace of God. And did you know that when these people are saved in this meeting, that could precipitate the immediate return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the last thing that's got to happen just before Jesus comes is somebody's got to get saved to complete the bride of Christ. And when the bride is completed, I believe our heavenly Father will say to his darling son that waited for 2,000 years and finished the mansion for every child he's got, son, go get her. He'll be on his way. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.